as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. And last week we began a series of messages entitled Stepping Into Your New Day. And we said that that it's a new day is kind of our theme as we move forward and 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 just reminding ourselves of the incredible work of Christ within our lives that old things pass away all things do become new in him and um, this morning this morning's message is entitled the keys to stepping into your new day the keys to stepping into your new day and I'm reading this morning where we left off last week Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, and we'll read down to the end of the chapter. And this is uh, the Lord speaking to Joshua, and he says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10 and Joshua commanded the offers of the Officers of the people pass through the midst of the camp and command the people prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess and to the Reubenites the Gadites and and the half tribe of Manasseh Joshua said remember the word that Moses servant of the Lord commanded you saying the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Let's pray. So, Father, we do thank you for your word today. And we pray that you would that you would speak it into our hearts and minds, God, that you would stir within us that which needs to be stirred up today, that we might trust you in all things. And we pray this all in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you, have you ever felt as if you were on the brink of something new? Have you ever felt as if the breakthrough you've been waiting for was about to happen? I mean, maybe it was that new job that was about to come through or that house you've been looking for. It's finally within reach or that person you want to spend the rest of your life with. They've stepped into your life and the wedding plans are about to begin. Or I think about the birth of a baby. Right. Many of us know what that's like. 
You waited nine months. Nine months. The moment has arrived. Excitement is through the roof. Right, 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 right. The mom to be is, is saying, it's beginning. It's starting. The cur- contractions have begun, right? You're off to the hospital. It's about to happen. Sometimes you don't even make it to the hospital, God forbid, right? <laughs> but it's about to happen. You're about to step into your new day. Because, listen, when that baby's born, if, you, if you're here today and you don't yet have kids, just know when that baby's born, everything in your life is about to change. And some of us here said, <laughs> amen, right? See, but that's kind of what it was like for the people of Israel as they stood at the edge of the Jordan looking forward to possessing the land that was on the other side. The excitement level was rising. They knew it was about to happen, that life was about to change forever. For any day now, they would cross over and take hold of the land that God had promised to them from the beginning. Any day now, they would experience the breakthrough that they had been waiting for. Any day now, they were about to take their first step into their new day. Before doing so, however, God gave to them three promises. We looked at them last week. The promise for a land. The promise of victory. The promise of his presence. Promises that they would need to carry with them as they moved into that land. And as we'll see today, he gives to them some, well, we'll call them last-minute instructions. He gives to them some keys, three keys to possessing the land, three keys that they were going to need to use for stepping into their new day. For you remember, we said last week, it's never been God's intent for us as his people to live our lives wandering in the desert of this world just aimlessly traveling through life, caught in a spiral filled with the dryness of life, constantly circling back into our past. But God has something more. God has something new. Do you believe that this morning, church? He has something more. God has a land for his people, not a geographic place, not a particular amount of material success as some would would like to define it, But you see, it's a place of purpose, of fruitfulness, and of his blessing, his favor. God wants to bring us into the abundant life that Jesus promised. God wants to lead us into the spirit-filled life of which we read in the New Testament, a life filled with all kinds of, of good fruit, the fruitfulness that the promised land offers to us. He wants our lives to be flowing, we might say, with milk and honey that is signs of his faithfulness, his goodness, his favor upon us. God wants each one of us to be able to say that for sure old things have passed away and everything has become new. And not just say it, but experience it in our lives. And maybe some of us today feel, as did the Israelites, we're kind of tired of wandering in the wilderness. We we want to take hold of that life that God has for us. We want to be able to say, yes, I want to be able to experience what it means to have old things pass away. All things become new. I want to know what it means to live the abundant life, the spirit-filled life. Well, if so, I want you to hear God's words of instruction. What it is we will need to do if we were to move forward into the life that God has for us. And so I want to draw our attention this morning to three keys that were given to Joshua and to the people. Three keys for stepping into our new day. And key number one is this, strength and courage. Strength and courage. 
Now, last week I spoke of how God's promise to his people was for not just a land, but a big land. You remember? It was a, he promises to them a land that was much larger than they could take hold of on their own, a land that was much greater than they could possess all at once. And as the people would look out across this land, they realized it was filled with fortified cities and a powerful enemy. In fact, 40 years previously, if you remember, the Israelites had been stopped dead in their tracks at just about this same point. For as the people then looked at the land and saw what they were up against, these cities and the people that were there, they were filled with fear and became discouraged. Thus, they turned back, and for the next 40 years, they wandered. We could say that at that point, the enemy won without there ever having been a battle fought. And the question for this moment for the Israelites was this. Would it happen again? Would the people once again look out and be overwhelmed by fear and become discouraged? Would they turn back or would they this time move ahead? What about Joshua? How would he respond to what he saw ahead of them? Notice God says to Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. In fact, in verse 7, he says, be strong and very courageous. Why? Because God knew that it would take fortitude. It would take boldness. It would take steadfastness. It would take determination and courage for Joshua and thus the people to move ahead and take hold of what was before them. It's interesting that the the words here, I'm I'm reading them as be be strong and courageous. Some of your translations might have be bold and be strong. And the interesting thing about those words is they're almost repetitive and kind of interchangeable. They kind of mean just about the same thing, each of them. And they speak not so much of physical strength or some sort of bravado. No one's going to no one's going to beat me up, you know. I'm the tough guy in town. I'm the strong guy, you know. No one's going to tell me what to do. That's not what's meant by be strong and courageous. But rather, these words speak of determination and steadfastness within one's heart and one's mind. They speak of being fixed and firm, of not easily giving up, ready to work through obstacles, ready to face whatever may come against them, to not give up when pursuing the things that God has called them to. See, God was calling them to strength and courage rather than fear and discouragement. For rather than giving into that fear and discouragement, Joshua and his people were going to need hearts that would be determined to move forward no matter what they would face, no matter what may come their way, no matter how strong the enemy might be. Mark Twain wrote these words, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. John Wayne put it this way. I know I must have at least one John Wayne fan in the house today. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. See, courage is not ignoring the dangers that lie ahead. Courage is not ignoring the fact that there are things that we're facing that are hard, they're difficult, that they actually do create fear within us. But courage and boldness, determination and so forth say this, I will not allow fear to control my life. I will not allow fear to discourage me to the point that it stops me from doing what I know God would have me to do. I will not allow fear and discouragement to be the driving force in my life that I, that, that I then fail to live the way God has called me to live. 
And God was calling his people, you see, to say, listen, in spite of what lies ahead, in spite of the, the, the fortified cities and the powerful enemy, we are determined to move ahead, trusting God, filled with faith in him, believing all the promises that he gave us, the promises that he told us to carry with us. Listen, the strength and courage that, 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 that is spoken of here is strength and courage is always the result of faith. Faith is always the predecessor of determination and steadfastness within the hearts of God's people. Faith is what causes us to be able to say, listen, I will, I can move ahead in spite of the obstacles and difficulties before me. Why? Because I know that God is with me. Amen, church? I know that God is with me. God says in verse 9, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Why does he throw that in? Because he was trying to build faith among them. We saw last week, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. <clears throat> when we begin to understand and truly believe that God is with us, fear is cast to the side, strength and courage begin to rise up within us. No longer are we discouraged, but we begin to look up and say, yes, I can move ahead. God is with me. And not only do I believe that God is with me, but I have to believe that God will fulfill his word to me. For God had given his word. Again, he had given promises to his people. The promise for a land, for victory, for his presence. Oh, if only they would believe him. If only they would take those promises to heart. If only they would put their faith in him. For faith overcomes discouragement. Faith would lead to courage and courage to action. Oh, I remember years ago when I was invited on my first missions trip down to Chiclayo, Peru. Right. See, some of you here think, oh, yeah, pastor, he just travels all over. There's no problem, you know. And right. Listen, that is not me. I'm not like the traveling man, you know. And I remember being invited to go take a team to Chiclayo, Peru. And the more I thought about it and what it was going to be like and plane and you know, what, what am I getting myself into and having to preach in different churches and be translated and stuff, the fear and anxiety building in my heart, in my mind. In fact, a number of years later, I went through the same experience when for the first time I was being invited to go to India, right? I kind of got used to like Latin America and now I'm being invited to India, you know? And, and I knew in each case, I knew that God had opened a door for me. And I had to believe that God would be with me, that God would help me, that God would use me. And somehow, like I had to pray. I had to pray, God, you, you got to help me because I don't want to be debilitated by my fear and my anxiety over traveling, over being in a new place. Is my stomach going to get sick? And am I going to be able to eat the food? And, you know, how many of us know the list goes on and on? Right? Come on, it's not just me, it's you too. I've had people say, no, I can't go on the missions trip because I don't know that I can eat the food, right? They're afraid, just afraid of the food, you know? But how long are we going to let fear take over our lives and keep us from stepping into the things God has for us? Come on, if you and I are ever going to move forward with God, it's going to take strength, courage, steadfastness. Get the, these words in your head. Steadfastness and determination for you to step into that ministry God's been calling you into. Oh, we need teachers in our Sunday school classes. or in the, Oh, I can't do that, you know. Yes, you can. 
That's what God's calling you to. It's going to, take, it's going to take strength and courage to put aside some of your personal schedule to fulfill God's call on your life. Oh, I'm so busy. I, I don't, I'm just not going to be able to do it. It's too much for me. No, no, no. You can do it. It's going to take strength and courage to make that pledge of your, fi- of your finances to the kingdom of God. Maybe for you to even start tithing. Oh, well, how am I going to pay my bill and this and that? You know, we, we, we have all our fears and anxieties that rise up. And we withhold from God what he's asking us to give him. Fear and anxiety need to be overcome if we're going to move into that new level of life that God has for us. I want you to think about, look at those things that make you shudder or create discouragement even within you. And that stop you from moving ahead with God's plan for your life. And then think of the nearness of God. Remember the promises of God. Think of God facing that obstacle with you. Think of God moving ahead with you and doing what only he's able to do. Look at the difficulties and then look to God. Amen? Look at the difficulties. The cities, they really are fortified. The enemy is really strong. The food out there in that other country just might make you a little sick, you know? The obstacles are great, but then look to God. I've been singing this morning in my head. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow, what, strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, with God on your side and his promises in your heart, none of those things are really so big, are they? They're really not. And so God calls us to strength and courage, steadfastness and determination that comes out of a heart of faith as we trust him that he will step into the new day with us. Key number one, strength and courage. I just noticed that strength is spelled wrong up there. I wonder if anybody else caught it. (laughs) It's all good, right? (laughs) Boy, that can throw the pastor off real quick when you're looking at that. Better when it's just behind me, right? (laughs) Key number two is obedience. Obedience. Verses 7 and 8, again, the scripture says says this. Be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You see, we need to understand, church, that there is no blessing for God's people outside of obedience. One cannot expect blessing just because once they prayed a prayer or they got baptized or they became part of a church. That's what the Jewish people did time and again. They thought because they'd been saved out of Egypt that, that, you know, now they were good. They were just guaranteed blessing from God. But God reminded them time and again that his blessing was always tied to their obedience. And here, just before the people move into the land, God reminds them of that fact once again as he says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Notice it's obedience to the whole of God's word. God says, be careful to obey all the law. Later, he says, be careful to do everything in it. 
For you see, obedience to God requires obedience to the whole of God's word, not just the parts that we're comfortable with, not just the parts that we find easy, not just the parts that fit our lifestyles. That's why James wrote, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites because they meticulously followed certain parts of the law, you know, those parts that made them look really religious, while ignoring and or even trespassing other parts of the law, those parts that, that, that had to do with justice and mercy and the way we treat other people. And the fact is, you and I cannot expect to live the abundant life that God has for us while, while only obeying God in just some areas of our lives. We can't expect that it's okay with God if we leave out certain things, that if we obey him in some things and neglect others. You know what I mean? We obey God in worship, but not in gossip. We obey God in tithing, but not in kindness. We obey God in witnessing and sharing the gospel, but not in forgiveness, and the list can go on and on and on. In fact, God calls us not just to obedience to all the law, but to an obedience that's consistent. For notice, he tells Joshua, they, 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 they must not turn from it, not to the right nor to the left. And that phrase, it's an idiom, it's an expression used to describe consistency, a life that is not easily distracted. You know, sometimes I'm walking my dog and we're going down the road and all of a sudden she catches a scent. And she, whoop. I don't know if I went out of the camera now, right? Yeah. You know, with there's that rabbit and going to the right and to the left. Listen, there are many people who start out strong with God. They live for him at least for a while. They obey him at least for a while, but then they begin to waver. They get distracted. They, some people even go through what I would call a predictable cycle, maybe because their own mood swings or their temperament. You may have met some, some people like that. One day they're on fire for God, and like three months later they're kind of doing their own thing, and then it cycles back. Oh, I'm at the altar, and I'm repenting. I'm going to live for God, and then we kind of like three months later we're back in, you know. And there's no consistency. Some people get diverted from their walk with God by the temptations of life. There goes Sadie off to that scent or the things they want out of life, the material stuff, the physical pleasure, that rabbit that caught their attention. God says the one he blesses is the one who continues to walk straight ahead, living consistently the way he's called them to live. I think that's a word for the church today, don't you? I'm not just talking about First Assembly. Followers of Jesus who would walk a straight line, a straight path, but notice something about this obedience as well. It's an obedience that's predicated upon knowing God's word. For Joshua said, excuse me, God said to Joshua, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And, um, you know, I kind of liken it to reading the driver's manual before you get your license, right? Right? Anybody remember those days, you know? Right? Maybe you had driver's ed in school, you know? Right? How do you know what the rules of the road are? You have to read the driver's manual. God has given us a driver's manual, has he not? Right? And so he says, listen, you have to, you, you have to, know, God, you have to know my word. And, 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 and he actually says this. He says, meditate on it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And the Hebrew word there for meditate actually means to mumble. Any mumblers in the house, right? Mumble it. 
He says, do not let it depart from one's mouth. It's a way of saying, keep God's word on the tip of your tongue. Keep God's word on the tip of your tongue. Keep on mumbling God's word to yourself. Keep on speaking God's word to yourself over and over. You don't need to be shouting it, just mumbling it to yourself. Speaking it to yourself over and over and over again. I remember my Greek grandmother, when she would sit and she would read her Bible, she'd kind of be on the, in her chair and she'd be like rocking a little bit, right? Very Eastern-like, you know? And she'd be speaking it over and over to herself, just kind of mumbling God's word to herself. You see, as you face that decision at work, mumble God's word. As you face that potential conflict, mumble God's word. When you begin to feel as if you're all alone, mumble God's word. When you're tempted to sin, mumble God's word. For it's God's word that's going to lead you down that straight path. It's God's word that's going to lead you into the blessings he has for you. For how will you ever live out God's will for your life if you don't know his word, if you don't grow in, his, uh, in your understanding of his word? Listen, that's why we as a church, we set up settings like our Sunday classes and, and others that we might dive into God's word and get to know what God, what God wants from our lives. And so, yes, possessing the life that God has for us is going to take faith that infuses courage, that builds a steadfastness within us, and it's going to take a faith that expresses itself through obedience. Because, you see, it's obedient people who are the kind of people that God can bless, that God is able to lead into his promised land. The final key is this. It is relationship or fellowship, or we could call it cooperation, with the people of God. And we see this in verses 12 through 18. That is, each one of the people had to do their part. This wasn't just about Joshua going in and conquering the land. Come on, pastor, go and conquer the land, win the city. No, no, no. There was a cooperation that had to happen as they partnered together as the people of God. And we read how the officers were sent through the camp telling everyone to get ready, you see, each one had to participate. There would be no success unless everyone was ready, unless everyone was doing what they were supposed to be doing. No one could just do their own thing. Imagine them going through and saying, come on, everybody get ready. And two days later, the day before they're supposed to leave, they go through the camp. Well, these people are ready, but these people, well, they were just kind of doing their own thing. Now everybody's held up. Everybody's stuck. Or they're going to go in with only, say, half the force. Everybody had to participate and not only participate, but they had to be ready to help one another. And we, we, we read here of a situation where two and a half of the tribes, they were inheriting land that was to the east of Jordan. They weren't really going to cross over and get more land. They were already getting their part there. But they were told, listen, this isn't just about you experiencing your own blessing. This isn't just about you getting your own land, but you have an obligation to your brothers and sisters here. You're part of a community of faith. You're part of something much greater than just yourself. And so you have an obligation to the rest. And we have an obligation to each other. And so guess what? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to settle your families there, but all of you who are able to, you're going to cross over and you're going to help us fight and win the rest of this battle. And we need to remember today that the promised land is... We call it is not just about the blessings we can get for ourselves. 
The land that God has promised us is not an island. It's not like we each get our own little island. Go, go get your island and, you know, you know, just sit there till glory. But the life God has, pre- has been preparing for you is one that's it's not lived in isolation, but it's lived in community. We live it together. For when you were redeemed, you were made part of the people of God. You were made part of the family of God. You were made part of a community of faith. That's why Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And he goes on and says, once you were not a people, you're doing just scattered individuals, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, he speaks about about us as believers being one body and how we need each other, do we not? He says, the hand can't say to the foot, oh, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. No, we, we need one another. And I'm just reminded this morning that you and I will never experience all that God has for us by ourselves or on our own. There are some people today, and I'm glad for those of you who are online and and many of you for very good reasons. But there are many people today that are content just to kind of go to church, as it were, online by themselves and then go into the rest of the day. Because it's just easy that way. We forget the necessity of being together as the body of Christ, and that we have an obligation to one another. We are called to live in community. We must, we must uh, live our lives connected to each other. And even through this pandemic, when we couldn't be in this building, we were doing a lot of things to, at, at the very least, try to connect with one another and not forget that we're a community. For when we isolate from each other, we miss out on so many of the blessings and benefits that God has for our lives. Because truly, iron does sharpen iron. And we really do need each other to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do we not? Come on, I need you to spur me on and you need me to spur you on, right? And we cannot do that when we're living on our own islands. And so you and I, Luciana, if you come, thank you. You and I, we need to take hold of, yes, the promises of God that, as we saw last week. But as well, we need to take hold of the keys that God gives to us that teach us and show us how we're to live keys that we need to put to use if we're to experience the life that he has for us. That we might step into that new day where old things do truly pass away and all things do become new. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, just very simply, won't you commit yourself, come on, followers of Jesus, and maybe someone here who has never given their life to following Jesus. But won't you commit yourself to him and living the way he's called you to live? Won't you allow your faith to fill you with strength and courage and steadfastness and determination that no matter what comes your way, you're going to say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm not going to allow my life to be controlled by fear and discouragement, but I'm going to move forward, determined to live the way God has called me to live. And won't you live your life in obedience to God's word, not just kind of picking and choosing what's easy for you, what kind of fits your style. But say, I'm going to follow God and obey him with a whole heart, with all that's within me. 
Because God, I want my I want my life to please you. I want my life to be such that your favor can come upon me. Lord, help me to live straight. Not veering to the left or the right. Help me to live straight each and every day. When the, those temptations come, the difficulties come, the big decisions come, help me to remember your word and begin to mumble your word. Let it always be on the tip of my tongue that I might obey you in all things. And won't you give yourself to working hand in hand with God's people, spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. Iron sharpening iron. Understanding that the people that God has put around you in the body of Christ, they're there as a blessing from God for you. Listen, God has a wonderful land ahead for each of us, a place within our world, within our kingdom, wherein we can experience purpose and fruitfulness and blessing. He wants us to know the abundant life and the spirit-filled life. And, you know, as I've been studying and praying, I'm like, God, this all sounds like, oh, it's so easy to talk about, oh, God has a promised land, you know? It seems so ethereal, so like out there. And I feel like God keeps saying to me, no, it's not just out there. It's something God has for us today. The promised land, it's, listen, it's not heaven, right? I know there's a lot of songs, the promised land is heaven, but you know, in heaven, there's no more battles, right? <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? But the promised land is now, God wants us to live in a place of his favor with purpose, with, with fruitfulness, with blessing. And so let's take hold of the keys that God puts into our hands as we commit ourselves to living as his people, that we might step into our new day. Amen, church? Amen. Will you stand with me? Worship team, would you come? And come on, right now, I just want us to take a moment. Will you lift your hands, lift your hearts to the Lord? And let's just commit ourselves to the Lord right now and say, Lord, Lord, today we pray.